fighting for freedom every day. You as the individual, you have the power. You don't have to join a union. You go in as an entry-level position. You get the experience that you need. And then as you work up, you get better at your job, which means they pay you more. If they don't pay you more, then you go to another company to show what you've learned and what your value is to where you can get more. If they really don't like that, then you can go and start your own damn business because we have a free market laissez-faire capitalist society allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into the program. It is the greatest day of the entire week, and I mean that in all sincerity and honesty. I say that every day, but today is a special day for many because it's a Friday, which means you have hopefully the weekend off, or at least partially (laughs) the weekend off. I don't. Most people don't, but hey, you know what? It's the thought that counts. Welcome into the show. It is a Friday. It is the Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, we love you to death. Appreciate you very, very much. Your Millennial General reporting for duty. Because it's a Friday, we try to keep somewhat lighthearted, but it's not going to happen much today. Although we will have a fun conversation. Bottom of the hour, we have Jeff Moore coming on the program. He's a former DEA agent. He is also author of the book, The Quiet Houses, Fall of the Narcs. Ha <laughs> Follow the narcs, multiple meanings there. So he's a special guest. Not only is he a former DEA agent, so we're excited to hear about some of the undercover operations that he's done, what's in his book, talking about the war on drugs, the narcotics that flood across our border into the nation left and right. He's also a special one because anybody, show of hands, anybody see the movie The Mule with Clint Eastwood? You know, where he's the drug trafficking guy from Mexico into the U.S. and he's making big cash and everybody's wondering who the heck it is. And he's not the suspicious one because he's an elderly white guy who doesn't seem to be uh, the top of point for the suspects. Uh, Yeah. If you remember that movie, which is a fantastic movie, highly recommended if you haven't seen it. Jeffrey Moore was in that movie. He was played by none other than Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I know. He was. Yeah. He was the head DEA agent on that case, and uh, he'll talk a little bit about that movie and the real story that happened there and how he was involved in the making of that one. Plus, we'll talk about some of the undercover narcotics, the fentanyl epidemic, and a heck of a lot more. So, yeah, we'll have fun chatting with him coming up for the bottom of the hour to wrap up the program on a Friday. Lots of other things to get to as well. We have the rumor that third-party candidates may be affecting the general race in the 2022 elections. Which, not a surprise. We obviously have a lot of very close races between Republicans and Democrats across the board. And I know that I get a lot of heat for this on occasion, but I don't care. If you vote third party, you are voting against your best interests. You are voting for the absolute opposite end of the spectrum. And you are voting for the person that you least align with. Andy, what do you mean? Very simple. If you have a Republican and a Democrat that is around 40, you know, within a two or three point margin and a libertarian candidate is within two to three points and pulling that two to three points that could sway the election one way or the other. Libertarians, 80 percent of the time, have conservative values, limited government, leave me the hell alone, less taxes, taxation, this theft. All of those issues are conservative policies. We differ on a few other issues, but if you're voting libertarian or independent in that case or constitutional party or whatever, then you are voting to allow a Democrat to get in that you align with 20% of the time instead of 80% of the time. And that's a stupid move. I do not advocate for it in any way, shape or form. And we need to actually now I will say 
libertarians come back to the Republican Party, we have a lot more money, we have a lot more voice, we have a lot more power in Washington, D.C. Let's let's change the party and clean it up from within as opposed to walking away from it. I still love the quote from Benjamin Franklin. We shall all hang together or we shall surely all hang separately. I don't like that. Now, do I like a two-party system? I hate two-party systems. But that's what we have, unfortunately, right now. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I don't want to go on that bandwagon right now. Uh, There's Steve Bannon that was in the news. We may touch on that here briefly later. But right now, I have to ask you, you ever been in one of those situations? Hopefully not. God forbid. If so, then I hope you support the Second Amendment and you ended up defending yourself. But you ever been in one of those situations where you have an abuser or you know of someone who's been in that situation where they've been with an abuser and they beat that significant other And then when asked about why they did it, they say, well, they made me. Obviously, that's not a good reason. Obviously, that's not a good excuse in any way, shape, or form. It's really stupid to make that claim. But in their mind, they truly, honestly believe that that's a good justification for beating somebody. They made me. They pushed me to that level to where I had to do that. Now, obviously, you have complete control over your own body. You have complete control over your own say on what you do or what you do not do. So no one put the bullet to your, you know, put the gun to your head and said, you must do this or else you willingly and consciously chose to rail and beat on somebody else. And that's not okay. And I don't like abusers in any way, shape or form. I despise them. They have a special place in hell for what they do to human beings, whether it's women, whether it's children, whatever, they have a special place to rot. And that's about as far as I want to go. That's not the point I'm trying to make here. The point is is that there are some crazy mental instability individuals here, mentally unstable people around the world in in this country that believe the garbage that they say without any justification or rationale behind the thought process. And we can make a pun saying, all right, that's most of the Democrat Party right now, right? (laughs) Yeah, we can say that. (laughs) But I'd especially say that that's under the Biden administration right now with what he said today as we go into the Biden basement. Let's go into the Biden basement. Since I came to office, that's what we've done. Historic vaccination efforts that saved lives, helped our economy recover from all the lost jobs during the pandemic. Ten million jobs created, a record for any administration at this point in the presidency. 3.5 percent unemployment, 50-year low, 50-year low. 700,000, nearly 700,000 manufacturing jobs created with companies investing billions of dollars to build industries of the future here in America. Proving, proving that made in America is no longer just a slogan. We're rebuilding our roads, our bridges, our ports, our airports. We're delivering clean water, high-speed internet to every American. The price of gas at the pump is coming down. It's down $1.20 this summer, and just this week, last week, it's fallen another 10 cents. And today we have further proof that we're rebuilding the economy in a responsible way. (laughs) All right. There are two options to take away from that speech from Joe Biden. And, oh, we have more. Trust me, we have a lot more of it. We can either get very, very angry because it's so stupid, or we can laugh at how stupid it is and trust the fact that people see through this garbage. Now, we're going to play that again and break it down piece by piece because it is so absurdly ridiculous. But that, ladies and gentlemen, is the latest from the Biden basement. Let's go into the Biden basement. All right. 
There it is. So let's break this down, shall we? Because Joe Biden, while the vast majority of Americans are looking at the election of 2022 as an economic issue, gas prices are higher, inflation's over 9%, you can't find anything at the grocery store, you can't really hire anybody for a restaurant or a nightclub or a bar, in many different industries it's struggling to actually get workers. They've been focusing on social issues. They announced just days ago that their main platform was going to be social issues like abortion. Vote for us to make sure that we can bring back Roe v. Wade to the federal level. That is our issue. That is our platform. That's what we will run on. And the people just aren't resonating with it. They want economic relief. They want the economy to get back to where it needs to be post or pre-COVID-19 in this country. They want the $2 gallons of gas. They want things surplused in their grocery stores to be able to get at a reasonable level and not a 300% increase on certain issues. Uh, I ran a news story locally here showing that the grocery stores not only are having a problem with the inflation rate just for the goods, but their transportation costs of just delivering the goods to the grocery stores are up near 300% right now, which is why groceries are up anywhere between 13 to 20% across the board. Try and go buy a gallon of milk and see how much that actually runs you now. Try and get a gal- a carton of eggs and see how well that actually runs you now. So the Biden administration has to respond. They have to respond because this is what it's making people angry right now to go to the polls, which is why Republicans are up 15 points, according to the poll yesterday, national poll on economic issues. And why I'm optimistic going into this election, the early voting's already open across most states in this nation. There's probably a lot of very angry Republicans that have already cast their ballot. So it's maybe a day late and a dollar short. Good riddance to the Biden administration and Democrats for coming out with this. But how delusional can you be to twist the economy the way it is right now and actually say that it's doing good? Since I came to office, that's what we've done. Historic vaccination efforts that saved lives, helped our economy recover from all the lost jobs during the pandemic. 10 million jobs created, a record for any administration at this point. In the- All right, let's let's stop right there. 10 million jobs created. First off, is that true? Is that is that right? Is that, no, no. Okay, that's right. We're going to have to play the game today. This is going to be the game called, is Joe Biden lying or is he telling the truth? And that one's right off the bat, a lie. Sorry, buddy. That's 0 for 1. 10 million jobs. What happened, obviously, commonsensical for most people to realize, is that, no, he did not create 10 million jobs. He allowed, he allowed, remember that air quotes here, allowed people to go back to work after the COVID-19 pandemic. The Democrats forced the largest layoff across the entire nation during COVID, and then when they brought him back, like, hey, look, we created new jobs. Lie. Let's continue. Presidency. 3.5% unemployment. 50-year low, 50-year low, 700,000, nearly 700,000 manufacturing jobs created. Okay, let's stop right there again. 750,000 manufacturing jobs created. I guess technically he could claim that. What kind of jobs are being created right now? Outside of the ones that, that are just normal, you, the private sector, trying to actually expand and create or at least maintain what you already have. What has he done passing the Inflation Reduction Act for an emphasis on green energy in this nation. Passing, that, by the way, it doesn't do anything for inflation, so that was a cute name for it. Passing the infrastructure bill to build new highways and bridges and highway projects, whatever else. He's creating government-contracted jobs. 
Now, for anybody that understands government contracted jobs, are those long-lasting private sector economic growth type of jobs? They spur the economy temporarily, but they're government contracts. They're taking taxpayer money to pay a private company to do a job for the government that's a one-time project. It's not a never-ending thing, which I get construction jobs usually do that. Highway projects are usually like that. But they're paying your taxpayer money to the private sector in a construction job to recycle it back in through their taxes for the government to get it again. We're not creating anything here. We're recycling it. So please tell me how you've created so many great jobs in manufacturing and construction and everything else. So, again, I would have to say, again, sorry, 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 let's continue. The company's investing billions of dollars to build industries of the future here in America. Okay, again, let's talk about green new energy for a second. I mean, we could go point by point by point here. I don't want to bore you with all the details, but good golly, let's have some rational common sense, shall we? Green new energy is subsidized by the federal government. So the more windmills we're building, the more solar panels we're building, the more EVs we're building, all of them subsidized with government grants to try and push this energy source, this new uh, industry. Sure, it's creating jobs that's subsidized by government taxpayer money, so that way uh, the government's actually making it happen. It's not economic growth. It's not free market, laissez-faire, private sector industry. It's not anything that's actually growing the economy. It's not expanding the GDP. It is simply government recycling stuff back into the private sector, making you think that they're doing something solid. I really, really hope. I mean, this is common sense. I really hope. I really hope that most voters look at this and say, wow, how stupid can you actually think we are? How little do you think we are to buy the garbage that you're selling, Mr. Snake Oil Salesman? The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Bring some reason into your day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, however you watch, listen. Welcome. We love you to death. Happy Friday to you. So we have the Biden administration lying about how good the economy is. I was seeing some of the chats in some of the different chat rooms online, and they're like, Andy, voters aren't going to know that stuff. They're not going to understand that. So yet this is a threat. This is a concern because they can pull the wool over people's eyes. The media is going to push this. CNBC is going to push this. What's his name? Jim, uh, um, Jim, whatever his name is on CNBC, where he's like, oh, yeah, this is the greatest economy we've ever seen in our entire life. This is fantastic. Yeah, those are the guys that are going to come back and say, oh, yeah, you know what? He's right on. He's absolutely great. They've actually fixed the economy way better than the Trump economy, right? To me, we have the strongest economy. Perhaps I have ever seen shit. <laughs> That's the lunacy that we live in today. And people believe it. You are fake news. I know, exactly. So here's the grand scheme of them all. And this is the big kahuna for the Democrats and for Joe Biden. And this is what they really tried to enforce today and emphasize as they're coming out and pushing this student loan forgiveness program, which is going to create billions upon billions of dollars of debt for this nation. They don't care. And actually, they did it very smartly, and probably not by Joe Biden's means because he doesn't know what time of day it is. But other people behind the scenes have strategized this very nicely. And you got to get them credit for their, um, their uh, I guess, manipulation, if you want to call it that. Their willingness to lie and their way to control you and I and play the game very, very smoothly. So 
while they are coming off of COVID-19, much of the COVID-19 spending is coming down. They're going to be losing near a trillion dollars in spending because all the COVID-19 relief spending is just about gone. They're not renewing that stuff because they extended the continuing resolution until December this year. So that's going to be going away soon. While they do that, why not throw in the student loan forgiveness that's a couple billion dollars, a few billion dollars, in the grand scheme of things, with the trillion dollars coming off from the COVID-19 stimulus payments, then it looks like they're doing a good job with cutting some of the spending, which is exactly the promotion that they tried to make in the announcement today. Today, my administration announced that this year, the deficit fell by $1.4 trillion, the largest one-year job in American history, $1.4 trillion decline in the deficit. Let me repeat that the largest ever decline in the federal deficit. Let me be clear. This record deficit reduction includes the cost of my student loan plan and everything else we're paying for. The deficit is down $1.4 trillion this year, even after accounting for 30 years of debt relief paid in advance. Okay, first off, that's a lie again. So... That's another lie. So imagine, if you will, you got to remember, during the COVID-19 pandemic, between all the different stimulus uh, packages that they passed, all the COVID stimulus, all the PPP loans, all the different stimuli checks that we got that helped us, I guess, a little bit, but didn't do a whole lot, all of that counted for more than $2 trillion. Now, that $2 trillion rounding number right now is above what our normal deficit spending was. If you remember, the federal government has its budget. Then we have our deficit give room to where we can spend above the budget, and they have a certain cap on that, which they always supersede, and then they always just pass and be like, oh, yeah, we can spend more. So they have the budget, they have the deficit spending above the budget, and then above that, they had the $2 trillion, the most that we've ever spent at one time before, for our COVID-19 stimulus over the last year or two, the last couple of years. Now they're coming back, and they're saying, oh, look, we have this combined sum of the normal deficit spending and the $2 trillion of deficit spending on top of the normal deficit spending. We're going to cut that back $1 trillion with the ending of some of the COVID-19 stimuli money. Throw in the other stuff that we're going to we're gonna pay off our debts for 30 years out, which is stupid and that's not true in any way, shape, or form. If that were the case, we wouldn't be spending over the deficit. But they say we pay out the debts for 30 years. They also say that we're going to throw in the student loan payments. We're going to cut that back. So we've cut the deficit by a trillion dollars. But we're not even close to what we were for our normal deficit spending before COVID. But they're not going to look at that. They just say, oh, look, look at all the debt we did last year compared to what we're not going to do this year. We did a cut. You should be proud of us. We're not big government spenders here as Democrats. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, you're listening to The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Darn right. Halfway through the program already. Golly, it flies right on by. I'm telling you, one of these days we're going to have more than just an hour to try and cram all this in. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that 5-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. That's what it's all about. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting, multiple radio stations all over the place, by the way, as well. So thank you for that. we got more coming on, too. So... We'll have more information on that later. We'll get back into the... Are you burnout? I know it's a Friday. We're talking about economics. Joe Biden. Look, I'm telling you, I would feel offended. 
I would feel offended if the Biden administration came out and was trying to talk as low to us as what he thinks we are, as unintelligent as he thinks that we are. Just because you say that you cut a trillion dollars from spending because you're not spending on COVID-19 relief does not mean that you actually cut government spending. The deficit is still higher than it's ever been before, excluding the COVID-19 era. So sorry, you're not. it's not working. It's not working. I hope it doesn't work for the voters as well. I'm pretty sure that you see right through it. So he can tell you gas prices are going down. They're still extremely high compared to prior when he came into office. He's trying to tell you the economy is back on track. It's having a hard time explaining the fact that you go to the store and you're paying 9% plus on interest on a lot of these issues. So we'll get back into that stuff a little bit later. I want to shift gears a bit, though, and have some fun because it is a Friday. And this is a serious, I guess it's not fun because it is a serious issue in the nation. But it is something that I'm really looking forward to chatting with with our awesome next guest. What's trending today? And really happy to have on the program. All right, I got. Here's the way we got to introduce this guy. Anybody see show of hands? Anybody see the movie The Mule? I love that movie. Absolutely fantastic movie. Uh, movie based partly around this individual. He's a former DEA agent. He's an author of the book with his uh, latest book, The Quiet Houses: Fall of the Narcs. And he was represented in the movie The Mule by. The man himself, Bradley Cooper, excited to have on the program with us here, Mr. Jeff Moore. Jeff, how are you, my friend? Good, sir. Thanks for having me, Andy. I appreciate it. Yeah, I am really excited to chat with you. The first question I have to ask is, how did it feel being represented by someone like Bradley Cooper? <laughs> um, it was, <laughs> I'm flattered that he uh, portrayed me in the movie, and I'm, I'm glad it wasn't uh, Dwight Troop from The Office. <laughs> 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 That's great. Did he okay? So did he go, do a good job? Well, I, we can get into the movie a little bit and talk about the accuracy of it. But did he portray th- the mentality and what went down in that movie accurately? You know, uh, the, the mechanics of it were pretty much forward. Uh, there wasn't a, a lot of fluff. You know, I mean, it, we work with informants, and that's how we do our investigations. And sure. the movie kind of picks up where they're working with this informant who turns them on to the. Clint Eastwood character and and that and that part is all pretty realistic, but the movie kind of deviates in a in a Hollywoodish type way where Clint Eastwood's a little bit different than the real character that uh, they were portraying. This this guy named Leo Sharp, who was a, a really uh, he was a drug mule for ten years and just moved thousands of kilos of coke mm. uh, from the U.S. border up to Detroit. Wow. Yeah, it's always Hollywood eyes, so you always got to take that stuff with a grain of salt, even when they try to portray yeah. accurate historical events. So it is fascinating. Before we get into any more of those, talk about your experience, though, as a DEA agent. How long were you um, a- as an agent like that? How long were you undercover? And and talk about some of your stories. Um, you know, I'm actually still a DEA agent. <laughs> oh, wow. All right. So, hey. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And um, I've, I've had a really unusual career. I, I started out... Uh, out of college as a graphic artist. I had no interest in law enforcement whatsoever. Uh, found myself with a new baby, a new wife, um, starting this new career as a graphic artist working for ad agencies. Uh, fortunately, the market turned for my industry um, when I was doing this and I had trouble finding a job. And uh, I picked up a second job, lost that one. And then I just had to take whatever I could to keep the lights on. So I ended up going to the Kansas City Personals, uh, found a found a job advertisement for a police officer. Ended up doing that for five years, um, longer than I that I planned on doing. And uh, the last year uh, with the Kansas City Missouri Police Department, I actually worked undercover as a really um, indigent 
just street level drug addict. And uh, I was working with an informant, uh, a woman named Tamara Mack. And we spent an entire year just kind of scouring the city and trying to get into different drug houses and, you know, buying crack and heroin. Um, and that those, those stories I've encapsulated into this book that I've written. And then this, this last year that I spent with Tammy, uh, the year afterwards, I actually ended up quitting the police department and I went to the DEA where, and, I, and oh. that's where I've been since I've been in uh, Detroit, Michigan. Sure. Well, starting off in Kansas City, Missouri, I mean, hailing from here where our flagship is in Wichita, I mean, you know very well, and we see it all the time, that, yep. uh, I mean, the crimes coming up, the drugs coming from the southern border up to the Kansas area and then dispersing around the country. I mean, this is kind of the hub of it, isn't it? Because this is the center of the country where they can go out anywhere they want to. Yeah, and it's, uh, these cartels, what they'll do is they'll find larger cities, uh, Kansas City, St. Louis, um, and they'll they'll ship these large quantities of narcotics into these big cities, and from from these locations, they end up getting dispersed in the smaller communities. So the Kansas City has always been a hub for um, big incoming shrimp, uh, shipments. Wow! And, and right now, obviously, uh, fentanyl and meth is is the biggest health concern right now. Now I was going to ask you about that. So uh, a headline here in the Wichita area came out just yesterday where our city police uh, uncovered what they said was near a, a half million to a million dollars worth of fentanyl pills uh, that were laced with fentanyl, at least one of the largest busts that they've seen, uh, I think they said, in the country so far with that amount of fentanyl. But is that kind of the big focal point right now that many in the DEA have and many law enforcement have is the concern of fentanyl? Because, I mean, we've had cocaine, we've had the methamphetamine, which is still a big issue, but fentanyl seems to be in the news a lot more lately than some of the other ones. Yeah, it's uh, it's really a dangerous drug. I mean, only a few micrograms are needed to kill a person. And we've seen where we've had lifelong career heroin addicts, and they'll grab a fentanyl pill, and it'll kill them on the first shot. And these are guys that have been doing heroin their whole life. Mm. So there's just, the problem is, is you, you'll get these pills, and you don't know how much of that drug is in that pill you're ingesting. And these guys are actually mixing fentanyl with different things or they're putting it into cocaine and you're just, you're always at the mercy of this unknown recipe that's coming to you. You just don't know if that's going to be the dosage that can kill you. Yeah, that is unfortunate. It's very scary. We're talking with Jeff Moore, DEA agent, also author of the book, The Quiet Houses, Fall of the Narcs, which you can find on, find on Barnes and Noble. You can find on Amazon, other places as well. Uh, have you seen an increase in drug crimes in the U S in your career from when you started to now based on policies that happen at the southern border and what's going on with cartels at the southern border, do you see a fluctuation of up and downs when it comes to drugs in the nation? You know, it, we've never seen anything like uh, fentanyl. I mean, it's always been, you know, your heroin, coke, and meth were your, kind of your mainstays, but this drug is just, um, it's able to be diluted so much where you can buy, you know, a hundred grams off the internet or whatever, and you can mix it down into, um, more quantity just to increase your product. So people are actually able to make a lot of money off this in small, in small quantities, just by kind of adultering it and, and mixing it. Mm. The, 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 uh, the downside is we're at a hundred thousand, um, drug poisonings or OODS a year in the next three years. We're, uh, projected to get up to around 140,000 overdose a year. Wow. So it, it, it's just, um, 
just the just the actual numbers of the overdoses what's staggering um, aside from just you know just your plain street level drug level violence which is always there you know it doesn't change it um, but it's just these numbers of overdose are just unbelievable. Sure. That's, it's very scary. It's very scary to think about. Uh, talk about the law enforcement side of it. Is there corruption? I mean, obviously we've always seen corruption here and there between different agencies and departments, but uh, is law enforcement just as corrupt or corrupt in any way, shape or form in the distribution of drugs or the confiscation of drugs in some way? You know, the, the, the problem with uh, working narcotics and a lot of times you're, you're around a lot of, uh, untraceable cash and assets and there are there are guys that end up falling into this um this trap of just you know thinking that this is something they can pilfer for themselves and 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 it does exist um in michigan there's been a lot of i mean just in detroit you know over the years there's been a lot of detroit cops that have been indicted and um you know sent to prison and a lot of times it's guys that were working in drug units and some of these guys fell in with uh, drug traffickers for kind of a, a relationship where they would protect these guys and their loads of drugs and in return, the, uh, their dirty cops would get paid off. Mm. Um, it's, it's not as common as um, everyone thinks it is, but it is out there. And it's always, it's, it's a temptation for a lot of guys too. When you, when you come across uh, a lot of this money and, you know, honestly, no one's really going to know if, it ends up missing or, you know, stuff like that. Sure. Yeah, that is, uh, I mean, the scary. I can imagine it happens because, like you said, the opportunity presents itself, which is why, I mean, there's always bad apples around, but it's always trying to find those ones with the best integrity to make sure that the right thing is getting done in those types of situations, right? Oh, that's correct. Yeah, we we have to, uh, we work with a lot of foreign countries, and we have to vet a lot of the uh, foreign counterparts we work with and and make sure these guys are, um, not really tied in with cartels and they go through a pretty lengthy, uh, background check and when we run polygraphs on them and stuff. And, sure. you know, a lot of these guys end up being, um, plants from the cartels or they have oh my. family and criminal ties that we just can't, we can't allow them to be part of the, what we're doing. Wow. But that's wild. I is. never even would have thought of that having connections with the cartel there. Jeff, we got to take a hard breaker. Can you stick over one more segment okay. with us? Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. I love it. When we come back, I want to shift gears. I want to get a couple stories from you and some of the uh, from some of the cases maybe that you've experienced outside of the one that we saw with the mule. But some interesting stories. I'm sure that you have so many stories, which is why you wrote this book, The Quiet Houses, Fall of the Narcs, inspired by some of those true events. Some of the crazy stories that you've seen out and about. I can only imagine. We'll do some of that when we come back to wrap up the program. It's a Friday. It's the Voice of Reason. Stay right here. Let's more to get to it. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. John Wright, we've got a few minutes left here on the program as we wrap up for a Friday, getting you set for the weekend. What a week it's been. We chatted with House Minority Whip Steve Scalise a couple of days ago, our congressman here in Kansas just yesterday. Had some great guests all across the board, different conversations as we get geared up for election season right now. We're having some fun talking about some interesting... It's, it's fascinating to me how this, how big this industry is, how we try to battle this, and how we try to fight it. And obviously, we're having a lot of conversation in the nation right now 
about different types of drugs, legalization of marijuana. Colorado has on the ballot this year the legalization of magic mushrooms, which is another conversation for another time. Uh, California, on the other hand, they've legalized some stuff, but then on the other hand, they have so many drug addicts in their cities that the city of San Francisco says, hey, I know that you're addicted to heroin. We're not going to try and stop you from being addicted to heroin. We're just going to have you come into free clinics and get dosed up there so that way you're not using dirty needles under a bridge and overdosing and dying under the bridge. That's the kind of crazy world that we're living in right now, and what do we do about trying to handle this issue right now we're talking with jeff moore he's a dea agent also author of the book the quiet houses fall of the narcs uh jeff talk to me first off in your opinion from what you've seen the legalization of the marijuana or you know the the giving of heroin in california has that stuff helped the black market stuff or has it made it worse what's your thoughts on how we're starting to approach drugs nowadays yeah it's i can only give you um, my experience here in Michigan, because uh, medical marijuana is legal, and the industry's gotten really huge. I mean, there's just uh, so many people that are into growing it. You can have uh, these caregiver cards where you can grow up to 72 plants, you know, and have 12 plants per patient. And it's just the industry's gotten enormous. Um, you know, obviously the downside is is you're just kind of feeding this huge appetite for inebriation in the country. You know, it's just yeah. You have so many people wanting to get stoned down. It's um it's just kind of a sad thing to see this many people wanting to to partake in this. And I I understand, you know, I get it. And you know, it's just not maybe the worst drug out of the bunch and, and now we have to focus on these other things. But it's just it's kind of sad to see so many people kind of getting off in these uh in these recreational drugs, you know, so much as they are. Yeah, well, and it's hard to regulate. I mean, at least in my opinion, either don't do it at all or go to the recreational because just doing the medical marijuana and having X amount of plants or X amount that you can have on you with ounces, I mean, creates these, uh, it creates as law enforcement, as you know, creates these regulations and rules for law enforcement to try and handle, all right, did they cross the line? Did they not cross the line? And it almost complicates the law enforcement, doesn't it? I mean, either do it or don't do it, but this in-between makes things more complicated, I think. Yeah, and it's it's just it's so hard to regulate. There's so much of out there, and and now the states are regulating it, um, you know, by their own um, state laws. And yeah. federally, we're not we're not even uh, enforcing this or arresting <laughs> people for drugs or marijuana based drugs. Wow, it is unfortunate. We got just about a minute, minute and a half left here. But give us one of the stories. How do you get? connected to a distributor a maker someone like that i mean do you ha- i mean obviously you go undercover you have to try and get befriend them but do you have to take the drugs do you just befriend them i mean how does that process work what do you have to do <laughs> you know um at this level we're uh we're working with crews of guys that are just they've been you know moving 20 to 30 kilos uh, you know a month their whole life and you know they're they're it's a, it's a very small group of guys so the only way to infiltrate these crews is through informants mm-hmm. and informants are basically just drug dealers who have been arrested and and you flipped them over to working with law enforcement so that that's the biggest tool in our toolbox now is wow. is working with informants that infiltrate these uh, organizations for us and they're the eyes that we that we see all this stuff through do you see a lot uh, of them become informants? Yeah, there's a lot of guys. Um, you know, they're faced with 20 years in prison, or you know, end up working as as an informant for the feds. And you know, a lot of these guys have been in prison before; they don't want to go back, and so they just take these huge huge risks, and they end up becoming, you know, government informants. They 
you know, they were, they go into these organizations and, and kind of tell us everything that's going on and where all the drugs are located. So wow. it's just, uh, it's, it's incredibly dangerous, but we couldn't, we couldn't do the job without them. So yeah. we're, we're thankful that we have these people. Amen to that. It's incredibly dangerous industry just to overall the fact that you are on the streets, that you are trying to work on this, trying to fight the battle with the war on drugs on this is, I mean, I commend you. I commend everybody that's involved in this because it is a very dangerous job overall. So thank you guys for what you do and thank you for your service. It is Jeff Moore, author of the book, The Quiet House is Fall of the Narcs, also DEA agent. Jeff, it's great to talk to you, my friend. Keep up the fight. We'd love to get you back on again the show sometime soon. Okay, thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Hey. Have, have a good night. You as well, my friend. Appreciate that very much. Good stuff. Good stuff. We'll break that down when we come back next week. Until then, though, hey, you have a weekend right around the corner. We're back at it on Monday. Great guests lined up all next week as we get closer to Halloween, closer to election season. Until then, be your own voice of reason. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.